morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, a weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 134. And from the metropolitan area of Bruning, Davenport, and Shickley, did I get those all right, Coach? Yes, you did. Uh, yeah, all right. Uh, Shanna Gerberding. The head girls basketball coach at BDS, the Eagles, is our guest this week on A Pen and a Napkin, and we're really excited to have Coach on uh, for this week's podcast. But before we get to Coach Gerberding, uh, we, of course, need to thank our founding sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic, located at 14450 Eagle Run Drive here in Omaha. Coaches, if you or your, or your athletes have any issues with balance, neck, or spinal uh, balance, have them go see COSAC Chiropractic. You can check out their practice at COSACchiro.com, K-O-S-A-K-C-H-I-R-O.com, or to give them a call at 402-964-0300. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. Obviously, if you're listening, you're on iTunes, so download, rate, review, give us five stars so that we can get the word out, gain momentum in the ratings, and be sure to help as many coaches as we can to hone their craft. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at penandanapkin at gmail.com. Go check out a penandanapkin.com. We got a lot of really good stuff on there, thousands of pages of information to help you as a coach to hone your craft, along with, with a bunch of videos and just all sorts of stuff there. So, And, of course, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com backslash a pen and a napkin. Shanna Gerberding, the head girls basketball coach at BDS. We're just going to call it BDS. We're not going to go bruning Davenport Shickley every time we refer to it. Uh, coach, how are you doing this morning? Pretty good. Pretty good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You uh, big 4th of July uh, plans for the weekend here? Oh, I live right by the river, and we're just going to go down there and light some fireworks off and enjoy the water and just kind of relax. Okay. Well, hey, that's, that's, that's a simple 4th uh, of July weekend, low stress get away from it all and just kind of kick back, yes. put the feet up here. So absolutely. Uh, my neighborhood, uh, the next two or three nights, uh, <laughs> I don't even like have to, <laughs> Oh yes. I, I don't even have to pay. I don't even have to pay for fireworks. It, 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 no. it's, it, it, I just, we just sit out on our front porch and, and just let everything go around us. And, and it's, yeah. it's, it's very cheap entertainment for us. Yes, uh, it is. Yes. <laughs> and, and I'm always amazed how, uh, you know, some people will, will will spend the gross domestic product of a of a small third world nation on these on these fireworks here. Oh, I know. It, it is, I know. It, it is especially really... this year. They've gotten really expensive. Yes, I, yes. I did buy some, and they're yeah, they've gotten pretty pricey. Yes, I I have heard that too. So, uh, but you know, it, it it's it's our nation's birthday. It is. It uh, is. Uh, let's see here. Uh, 22 plus 24. 246th birthday here, so we're we're closing yeah. in on 250. So yeah. yay, America. We need to celebrate. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. We do need to celebrate. It's been a long yeah. couple of years. Yes. Uh, kind of our first normal 4th of July since uh, 2019. And, uh, you know, let, yeah, let's just have some fun. Let's do that. Absolutely. So, all right. Absolutely. Well, Shanna, let's uh, let's kind of get going with you here and, and your background. Uh, like to give coaches an opportunity to kind of explain uh, their basketball journey. So, so coach, tell us a little bit about your basketball journey and how you ended up being the head coach at BDS here in South Central Nebraska. Well, uh, I went to high school in Bachelor, and um, my senior year we played Bruning, and they beat us in sub districts. And Coach Cluck was the coach there, and then. 
few years later, he asked, um, I was still in the area, and he asked if I would help uh, be assistant coach at Bruning Davenport. And so that's kind of how I got started. I was assistant coach there for one year, and then the next year they co-opt uh, with Shickley. Uh-huh. And I was assistant coach for one year for BDS, and then the next year uh, I became the head coach, and this will be my 12th year as head coach. Uh-huh. Um so I kind of always have a relationship with Coach Cluck that he ended my high school career, and then he, he was the athletic, athletic director, so he came, became my boss. So Yeah, yeah. Um, what, was, uh, what was that transition like for you to, to slide over? Because uh, I was in that situation one time where I went from the assistant to the head coach. I, I think there's, there's good things about that. There's bad things about that. Uh, you know, what was that transition like for you? Well, you know, it's one of a lot of learning. You know, you think you're ready, but you're never ready. But, you know, you got to give a lot of credit to administration because everybody has to start somewhere. They mm-hmm. all have to have their first coaching coaching job. And I had a tremendous assistant coach in Jamie Sperling um, from Shickley. He, w- he was an assistant uh, head coach and an assistant coach before. And he, you know, he was just the mentor I needed and um, had a lot of fun with them, taught me a lot, and that helped uh, the transition, mm-hmm. um, you know, made it an easy one for me. Mm-hmm. What were, what were, uh, you know, kind of going into not the way, way back machine, but a little bit in the way back, uh, what were two or three things that, uh, Jamie was able to, to help you out with as you made that transition? Oh, just, um, game situations kind of, and he always, um, you know, he was just like, don't be afraid to try, try different defenses. You know, you're always, I was always man to man and um, he just helped me relax and not take everything so serious. Um, kind of, you have to go with the flow and kids are kids and you can't take everything so personal. And, but he really just helped me um, X's and O's and um, on and off the court. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think back now, now you have the, the ability to uh, have some perspective over the last 12 years or so as being a head coach if you could if you could hop in the delorean and fire the flex capacitor up to 1.21 gigawatts uh-huh. and and go back and have shanna from today talk to shanna from 12 years ago uh if you were able to have a conversation what would you tell shanna from 12 years ago hey here's a couple of things that you you, you shouldn't have worried about so much or maybe here's a couple of things that you should have done differently during that transition time Oh, well, never thought about that before, but that would have been nice to have. Um, <laughs> well, plus you need to open stretch a highway to go 88 miles per right. hour in your DeLorean. So. Right, yeah. right. Oh, I don't know. It's I would do probably a lot of things different, um, kind of in my schemes a little bit. Um, I had a lot more energy back then. <laughs> <laughs> and just kind of not take everything so personal. You have to let a lot slide off your shoulders and... You know, you, you really can't want it more than the kids do. And I think I had a lot of trouble with that in the beginning uh, or it kept me up at night, you know, just and I still, you know, you still think about it 24 seven. Like, how how can I make the kids improve and be more successful? Um, you know, just those type of things. Mm-hmm. Um, was it was it just uh, like as a as a younger coach, you were you were kind of still wishing you were out there playing and, and, you know, I wish I could kind of, you know, this, this is what the way I would do it. Is that, is that kind of what you're referring to a little bit? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's much easier to play than it is to coach. I know that. (laughs) (laughs) um, I still, as I got older, I still wish I could get out there and play. I still think I can. But, Uh um, yeah, it's nice how you you could get out there and play with them quite a bit and kind of show them and show them some things as it's live and one one thing I like to do is I still do a little bit is when I play like defense I try and talk them through whoever I'm guarding Mm -hmm. kind of what to see and what to look at and um those type of things but yeah 12 years ago seems like a long time (laughs) (laughs) well my player said something to me about playing with them or coming out or you know doing something and and I actually borrowed this line from my uh, from my college buddy Terry Comstock. You know, I have two ACLs and two Achilles tendons that are still intact, and my playing days are over. And yes. so, any, any now we can play a little horse, we can play a little pig. That's fine. Uh, more so, also because I know I'm probably going to win in horse and pig. Uh, <laughs> but but <laughs> not to be too selfish, but but. Uh, uh, but no, I, uh, I hats off to you for still getting out there and, and, and getting after it with the gals. So I don't do it too much because I know it, it'll hurt. And I don't <laughs> for long periods of time doesn't happen, but yeah. I still like to get out there. And... Yeah. Yeah. As, as soon as practice is over that day, you're popping a couple Advil. And, uh... <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. <laughs> um, you, you mentioned uh, the, the co-op situation and, and for folks that are not from small towns, uh, I grew up in a, a smaller town, not as small as, as BDS, but uh, a small town in Iowa. And during the 70s and 80s, a lot of the uh, communities started to co-op, with, came to schools. And there was a lot of uh, tension because a, a lot of small towns don't want to give up their identity as, as uh, having their own school, their own high school. And it's a point of community pride in, in a lot of the small communities. That's probably the biggest employer in town and, and so forth. There's all these things that go on. And so you were kind of in the middle of this cooperative situation. What was that like trying to bring these communities together that probably, I'm guessing, uh, had had some rivalries back in the day? And, and now we have to all be on one team. What was that transition like? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of rivalry between um, even Bruning and Davenport and Shickley. Uh, There's so such close proximities that they played each other all the time, you know, even in sub districts. Um, So, yeah, you've got a lot of a lot of uh, people who still want their school to be on their own. Um, But you have to give credit to um, administration who saw the bigger picture in the board um, that we had to do what's best for the kids. Um, to provide because you know sometimes we wouldn't even have teams if we didn't have a co-op mm-hmm. we just don't have the numbers mm-hmm. um, but yeah there's still tension there's still tension today but I think for the most part everybody has kind of swallowed their pride and <laughs> you know like this is the best thing for the kids mm-hmm. and you have to think about them because I mean you don't see any tension with the kids and that was one of the things that I noticed right away um you know, we get out of practice late uh, just because we have some travel time, but they don't complain. They never complain. You know, they work together, um, you know, and where I'm not from either or any of those towns is like, I don't even see what school these kids go to. You know, mm-hmm. I think of them all as BDS kids and, and I guess I don't look at it that way, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're in this, uh, 13 years now as a co-op and been very successful. Mm-hmm. 
um, I think that uh, coaches have brought them together as teams and, you know, talked about the bigger picture. And But, yeah, everybody still has their, their pride for their hometown, as they should. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in your situation, does, does Bruning have its, or what's, what's the schooling situation like, uh, as far as facilities? Uh, for Bruning Davenport, the high school, and there's some early elementary classes are in Bruning, uh, middle school and junior highs in Davenport. Mm-hmm. And then Shickley is all in one building. Um, so yeah, we kind of, we practice, uh, we trade off with the boys kind of week by week or as needed, uh, mm-hmm. change day to day, but between Bruning and Davenport, um, volleyball practices all in Shickley mm-hmm. and football they um, go back and forth between Bruning and Shickley mm-hmm. so it, it, Shickley has a K through 12 building yes oh wow wow yep. okay so yeah. yeah so there's there's still a pretty decent you know nobody's all in the same facility I didn't even realize that I just kind yeah. of a good thing I asked that question huh yeah uh, I just naively believe that everybody was in one high school in a Bruning in a Davenport or in a Shickley but it's it's yeah. it's still separated like that huh yeah yeah Bruning and Davenport they unified I believe somewhere around 2000 mm-hmm. and then we began the co-op uh 12 years ago gotcha okay all right uh well it, it has worked out very well especially for your female athletics, uh, you have have been on a, a really, really good run, and we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. Uh, your volleyball has been on a really, really good run. I know your football, uh, you know, talking about the boys, uh, has, has been good. Your your boys' basketball, you know, you, you just had a nice run of athletes. But I want to kind of uh, lock in. Uh, you're on the, the female side of things and, and coaching female sports. And, and two sports, especially in, in Nebraska, that tend to compete with one another, unfortunately, is, is volleyball and basketball. And a lot of times you see a school that is really good at volleyball not be very good at basketball or vice versa. What have you and, and your, your volleyball coaching staff done to ensure that the, the, the athletes that you have, and I'm, I'm guessing there's a lot of crossover as well, what have you done to make it work so that your athletes can be successful in both of these sports that a lot of times compete head to head for time for reps in the gym? Uh, you know, a lot of times, especially here in Nebraska, we have club volleyball that's going on in the middle of basketball season, uh, which makes it difficult for us on on the basketball mm-hmm. side of things, and it makes it hard for our dual athlete uh, volleyball players to really commit to basketball and sometimes kids are forced into decision. I mean, there's this whole rabbit hole that we can go down. Uh, oh, so, right. so, uh, what, what have you done in, in your community to ensure that, Hey, you know what? We can have our cake and eat it too. As far as that goes. Well, we've had a really good group of kids right from the beginning who were committed and they're very, very, very competitive kids and they just work really hard. And yeah, we have a lot of crossover. There's only like one or two, on each volleyball and basketball that don't play the other sport, but otherwise it's, it's all of them that do everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're just really supportive of each, you know, I'm, I want them to play volleyball because not necessarily doing basketball, but because it makes them a better all around player. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want them to pick just volleyball or pick just basketball because I think um, they need that different sport to um, become more well-rounded. Um but mm-hmm. I think, you know, we're, you know, basketball's in June in the summer and then volleyball takes over. But, you know, we work together as far as our weight program. Um, they all do the same weight program that we put together. Um, 
and we just try we go to each other's games um you know volleyball coaches at uh most of the basketball games and i try to get as to as many volleyball games as i can we just want to show them we're very supportive of them you know outside of the sport you know even academically or in their just in their lives um because we really do care about them as kids Mm -hmm. what about during the school year how do you how do you make that or how do you work together as as stabs uh when it comes to uh basketball during volleyball season volleyball during basketball season well we don't do any um basketball during volleyball um maybe for the kids who don't go out for volleyball but you know i want them to focus on volleyball i don't want to be bugging them or anything you know that's volleyball season mm-hmm. um we do you know it's it's inevitable every basketball coach deals with it with club volleyball um you just try to you tell them your perspective and um you know i don't they can try out or you know for club volleyball and if they choose to play they choose to play um but you know basketball has to come first during the games and they respect that um but it's just hard and i understand being in a volleyball state mm-hmm. um how it, how important volleyball is and um but hopefully coach williams she's turning that around for the huskers and become more of a basketball state well i i think basketball in nebraska's you know, in many ways underrated, you know, you're talking about Amy, right. uh, yeah. what she's done, yeah. but you know, uh, Jim Flannery took Creighton to the elite eight this year, uh, uncharted right. territory. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Carrie, um, I'll, I'll always know as Hofstetter, yeah. but it, it yep. me, yeah, at, at Kearney, uh, you yep. know, we've had great programs at Hastings at Concordia, oh, yeah. uh, you know, so, uh, Gene Steinmeier back in the day at Doan, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so, I mean, there, there's been a lot of really, really good basketball that's come out of this state as well, and, and it, it, it is possible. And and you uh, at BDS is is showing that you can do both. That you don't just have to do volleyball, or you just don't have to do basketball, because there is that element as well. You can do both and be successful. And 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 I'm, I, I assume that's what you're preaching at at your place. Absolutely, and you know, even though they go um, to volleyball in state, you know, and it pushes back your your time for basketball, you know, that's a good problem to have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it may cause you some stress, but, you know, you want them to be successful in volleyball because that does carry over into mm-hmm. basketball and vice versa. You know, um, we had a pretty successful June, and I know that volleyball went to Minden team camp yesterday, and they beat some pretty good teams there, and they won that. So it's just the kids are very competitive, and they – they uh whatever sport they're playing that day, they go all out for it and they're very dedicated and, you know, they just do everything you ask of them. And, you know, I, they never complain to me. They probably do, but you know, they don't give you any trouble like that. Mm -hmm. Coaches are absolutely loving are taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching. And during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. 
It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Coach, let's talk about the uh, and I I'm gonna I'm gonna try we 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 rehearsed this before we started taping here. The Mudecas, did I get it right? Yep, Mudecas. Yep, All right. Mudecas. Yes. Yep. All right. The Mudecas tournament. It it is a really really unique thing to small schools in kind of that southern area of Nebraska, straight south of Lincoln. There's a bunch of like uh, like uh, sized communities, uh, culturally, so forth and so on. Uh, explain for for and. and this is all capitalized, so if you want to look it up, folks, it is M-U-D-E-C-A-S. That's what it's called, the, the Mudecas Tournament, and there's it's it's like this week-long thing. There's a bunch of different schools. I, I don't know what's going on. Coach, you tell us what's going on with the with the Mudecas Tournament that's been around for like 100 years or something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's been around forever. Um, there's 16 teams in the tournament, and... They have gone by points as well. They've gone by voting, coaches vote, um, to seed those one through 16 teams. And then we went through um, wildcard points. And now we're going to go back to coaches seeding. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's an A division and a B division. And then the one through eight, the top eight go in the A. And then uh, nine through 16 go in B. And then you're, you know, you're, you're seeded that way and you're, just being the eight number eight team doesn't mean that. Uh, well, I mean, being the number one team doesn't mean you're number eight seed. That game's going to be easy because I mean, there are every game is tough. Mm-hmm. Is, is it a a the same schools every year, pretty much? Yeah, okay. yeah. It's there's been one or two have changed, but it, yeah, mm-hmm. it's pretty much the same ones. So you seed this. Uh, how far out from the tournament do you seed it? Uh, it's right after the first of the year, uh-huh. and then I believe the tournament usually starts around the tenth okay. of January. And and how long does it stretch over? How do the facilities work? How does the scheduling work? Explain that to to folks that aren't familiar with it. Well, the A division plays in the Beatrice City Auditorium, which is an iconic building, an old school building. Um, it's very loud. It's it's an awesome atmosphere. Um, the B division they played um, primarily at Southeast community mm-hmm. college but since covid um they've been at the high school in beatrice and then the middle school uh recently um girls are monday monday only boys are tuesday and then thursday it's boys and girls and friday is girls and saturday is boys mm-hmm. so it it's the whole week mm-hmm. and uh you know you know why uh, I'm assuming great crowds, great environment, a lot of pride on the on on the line every year. Uh, it, it's kind of a little miniature state tournament in some ways. In the middle of January, that kind of helps your kids get prepped for, you know, what's coming down the line. A, a, approximately a month or so after that, when you're starting to get ready for your postseason play. Absolutely, it is a mini state tournament, and a lot of times like the top three or four teams in a end up at state. Um, you know, you have sacred heart, um, it's good every year. Um, you know, Johnson Brock's been good. Uh, why more Southern? You have Exeter Milligan, um, just a lot of good teams. Um, we only see Meridian and Exeter Milligan there in our conference. Um, but otherwise all the other teams we don't see during the regular season. So that's 
makes it more like a state tournament and yeah the crowds are crowds everybody comes out to watch and it's it's just a good time and it's it's very stressful at the same time <laughs> but it's a good stress <laughs> yeah it's a good stress. It is. it's a good stress it is because it, it does give you an idea of how where you're at during that time of the year you know coming off christmas break and mm-hmm. um kind of going on the downhill slide of the season uh-huh well speaking of of stressful yeah, uh, how stressed were you when you were down twenty four points with uh, about two minutes gone into the third quarter of your district championship game uh, last February? Oh uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I they couldn't miss in the first half, and I was just like, oh, of all games, of all games, it had to be this one to go out like that. And um, yeah, we were still down twenty with six minutes left in the fourth quarter, and. Um, I joked with one of my one of my friends. I'm like, well, we've never practiced that uh, game situation. So mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so so in Nebraska, the district championship game uh, is the game to go to the state tournament. And so you've 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 got to that point. You're 32 minutes away from playing for the state tournament. Just to set the stage for everybody, and uh, you're, you're playing Elgin Public Pope John, who's got a nice team. And like you said, they, they just shot the holy heck out of it the first half. Uh, you're down 24 in the third quarter, like you said. Uh, you're down 20 with six minutes left to go. And, and you know, kind of how are you communicating that to your kids? What are, I'm assuming you're, you're burning some timeouts to try and slow the momentum. And uh, at halftime, obviously, you're, 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 you're in a hole. Uh, how are you, how did you as a coach handle that situation with your players? Well, it's oh, just, right before the comeback, before the comeback, yeah. well, just kept talking to them, um, about never quitting and just try to win each possession, you know, offensively and defensively, just, you know, take it two points, three points at a time and to get a stop. Um, I just kept telling them, them that over and over and just to not, just don't quit. It's not over. Mm-hmm. And, you know, something happened and they just turned the light on him and they kept going. So how did the snowball happen? Oh, we turned up the pressure a little bit and got some turnovers. And they were a young team and forced them into some situations where um, we capitalized on some turnovers. But, you know, we were still fouling. And um, had they knocked down their free throws, it probably would have turned out different. But... Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, that is a very, very tough team to play, and they're very versatile, and yeah, they're mm-hmm. they're very good. They're going to be good this year and a couple years to go. Yeah, but but that wasn't last year, and that's all that matters no. right now. So. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so so as as the snowball is starting to roll, um, again, how how are you are are, are you just cheerleading the heck out of it you're 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 clapping away you're you're just you're just pushing and prodding and hey let's just find a way let's just find a way uh how how did you communicate that with your kids well i wasn't going to give up on them because i i knew if i gave up they would give up and i just i did i kept trying to figure out different things we could do putting different kids in and uh just kept trying to keep them up that um that it isn't impossible. There's still time left. It's not over till it's over. And, um, cause we were in some foul trouble, but, mm-hmm. um, somehow they just found a way they, you know, you just needed that one play to get a spark mm-hmm. and to kind of get everybody going. And 
it was, I mean, it was a tremendous game. It's one game I'll never forget. Mm -hmm. Um, The crowd was, you know, there wasn't much to cheer about for three quarters. (laughs) And (laughs) kudos for them for most of them to stay. But, you know, then everybody at the end was on their feet. And, you know, um, for us to knock down some free throws and some uh, high pressure situation, you know, that gives a lot of credit to the kids and mental toughness. And Mm -hmm. it was an awesome game, though. Did you feel like, when you got it to overtime that we're in a really, really good place, you know, um, you you could just, you could just tell if we could just get this, the the longer this game goes with the way the momentum is going, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to finish this off. Yes. I knew once we, if we get, get it to overtime, um, we probably were going to win. They had some kids, key kids foul out. Um, I did think with like a minute, I don't know, 20 left. We were still down by seven, I think. And I was told my sister, I'm like, we're going to run out of time. We can do this, but I think we're going to run out of time. Cause I had called my last time out mm-hmm. and you know, we hit a three, um, Jess Hudson hit one of two free throws to tie it to send us to overtime. Um, but yeah, what I, the momentum was, um, clearly on our side and I knew if we got it to overtime, it was, we were going to win. Well, you did get the W. You, you head down to the state tournament once again. Um, and you've, uh, is it five of the last six years you've been down to, to Lincoln? Yeah, five in a row we've been there. Five in a row, five in a row. Yep. And and one runner-up. Uh, you know, your, your program's done about everything that you possibly can do on the court, except for cut down those nets in, in Pinnacle Bank. Uh, is, is that kind of... You know, again, you're talking about being a transformational coach, caring about the girls, but is that is that kind of that one tangible thing that that kind of keeps driving your program a little bit? Oh, absolutely. You know, they've uh, experienced that in volleyball, um, winning state championships, and you know, they're these kids want one in basketball, mm-hmm. um, and that is that's a, a driving force um, for us and for these kids, and you know, it is always the ultimate goal. Uh, you try not to dwell on it all the time and talk about it too much because um, you want to focus on, you know, what's in front of them, you know, the next practice, the next games, the most important game of the season. Because, you know, if you don't take care of business early, you're not going to get it done in the end. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 kind of one of those things where you're, you're not talking about it, but it's kind of hanging there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they all know, and especially wild card points and – you know, everybody, the fans, the parents, they're, they're in tune to everything. And, you know, I know I don't have to talk about it cause I know it's getting talked about, um, <laughs> but I just try and keep them reined in and focus and not, you know, it's cause I don't want them to get them too uptight about a certain game and not the other game. Cause we want to really try and play as hard, you know, against anybody as we do. Like if, when you get to state, mm-hmm. you know, really trying to focus on that this year, especially, um, you know, just to play how we play and be consistent with that every game in and out, no matter who you play. Mm-hmm. It, it's amazing uh, how uh, when we, when you have a good team, and in Nebraska we have a, a math system, a, a wild card. It's called we call it the wild card system, and there are certain points based on winning and losing and the record of your opponent and all this other stuff. But it, it is amazing how 
when you get to that point, everybody associated with your program turns into Matt Damon from Goodwill Hunting, and they just turn into <laughs> yes. mathematical geniuses and stuff like that. Have you seen that, Shanna? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I've um, – Coach Alice, the volleyball coach, she's very good at that, and I will ask her, I'm like, can you figure this out? I don't want to – I don't want to dwell on that. Or um, one of my friends, her boy, um, is very – very good with numbers and i've had him do it before because i just i want to know but i don't want to spend a lot of time trying to figure it out in case i'm wrong mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> so. and, and, and that's where you delegate yeah that's where you delegate i i have literally uh i i'm i have literally seen spreadsheets of wild card mm -hmm. scenarios that that parents have developed um yeah. so it is it is a very unique thing won't you say yeah, oh yes absolutely Yep. Um, yeah, I, we, the first year we made it to state, we made it on a wild card. So, um, it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the a pen and a napkin video library. All right, Shannon, at this point, we are going to jump into our John Wooden quote of the day here uh and uh we are gonna yeah we'll just jump into the quote here and i'll read off the quote tell me what you think tell me what your interpretation of it here is uh are you ready coach gerberding for the john yep. wooden quote of the day yes i am all right from page 171 of wooden's book a lifetime of observations and reflections on and off the court the quote is we are not the same in all things but we are all the same in having the opportunity to make the most of what we have, whatever our situation. The ultimate challenge for you is to make the attempt to improve fully and be your best in the existing conditions. Thoughts? Ideas? I know what it means to me, but I'm going to put you on the spot, Shanna. Uh, I like that. Um, it is. It's a lot about you're going to get you're going to get out of anything what you put into it um mm -hmm. whether it's you know academics athletics um just you know you just need to try and improve yourself one percent each day mm -hmm. um and i think that's that's kind of what that quote means to me just kind of improving yourself um day by day well and i i also think that um, and by the way, if my, if my players listen to this, they're going to roll their eyes when you say improve 1% <laughs> every day, because they hear that about 20 times a day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but, uh, to, to not make any excuses with your situation, um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you have an issue, you got to fix it. You got to figure it out and, right. and you can't sit there and go, well, BDS has this and we don't, so they they just get to be better than us because they have. Well, no, okay, they do have that. That's just the way it is. How do we compensate for that? How do we get over right. that hump? How do we make it better? And and I right. think sometimes we kind of have these, whether it's a personal pity party or a program pity party or whatever it may be. But 
you got to figure it out. That's that's your job is to try and figure out and make the best out of any situation that you have. Absolutely. And I think if they learn that in high school that, you know, that's going to carry them through life. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to learn to figure out, find a solution. You know, you may have to compromise. You're not going to uh, get everything that you want, which that's part of um, life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cue uh, cue the Rolling Stones there. You can't always get what you want. It's, right, <laughs> yeah. right, right. Um, and that's one thing um, I want to try and make them better individuals. You know, I'm big on saying please and thank you. Um, but yeah, you have to compromise. Um, you know, you have to be understanding to to the kids and their situations. And in our small schools, they're pulled in a lot of different directions. You know, everybody wants them in their program, different clubs, speech. Uh, drama um so you have to be a little bit understanding and think of the bigger picture and um kind of pick your battles a little bit but i think you know if they if they take a little bit of that you know it's going to go a long way um for the rest of their lives Mm -hmm. well yeah and and we as coaches have to be aware of that And, and i think sometimes we are guilty as adults for kind of screwing things up for the kids because we get so focused on what we want as the head girls basketball coach or the the football mm-hmm. coach or whatever it may be that and, and I'm sure I'm, I, I'm pretty confident I know I was guilty of this especially when I was younger that well why aren't you you know you know this is so important to me I'm spending so much time on this and you know, basketball could be their third or fourth thing. They've got a job. They like being in the musical mm-hmm. better than they like being in that. And we have to, a part of our responsibility is, as coaches and sponsors is to do all that we can to ensure that we make that possible for them without compromising our program. So it's a very fine line right. to walk, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, these kids put in, you know, 14-hour days and, you know, a lot of people won't work 14 hour days and we, you know, they're there before seven and, you know, they get home after seven and, you know, if there's a game night, you know, it's even later, but yeah. Oh yeah. I'm guilty of it too, where, you know, it's, it's basketball season, you know, it's, we have to do what we have to do. And, but, um, I think as I've gotten older, I've become more, um, compassionate maybe, mm-hmm. um, cause they are just, they are just kids mm-hmm. and, you you kind of have to put yourself in their shoes too because you do you don't want kids to quit uh your sport or your club because um they're getting pushed back but you know because you need everybody and having more kids out just makes it a uh, you know a lot more fun atmosphere and um, no matter what their role on the team is you know everybody's important mm-hmm. from oh. student managers to everybody absolutely absolutely um all right coach let's switch gears here let's let's talk a little bit about your uh philosophy your basketball philosophy let's 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 put the whistle around the neck and and let's jump out here to the practice floor uh let's start with let's start with your defense and obviously uh again haven't seen the game film but i'm guessing your defense really keyed the big comeback in in your district championship game uh, just tell us a little bit about your defensive philosophy. If you want to talk full court, talk full court. If you want to talk half court, talk half court. Um, maybe 
uh, throw in, you know, some of the how you teach it, what maybe some drills that you use to teach it. Uh, I'm just going to kind of, uh, as I often say at this point of the podcast, I'm going to let you cook a little bit here. Uh, and if I've got a question, I'll try to politely interrupt you and and ask for a little bit of clarification on, on what you're talking about there. Uh, but just, just tell us about your defense and and what you do uh, to, to be such a successful defensive program uh, the last half dozen years or so. Well, um, I love man-to-man defense. Um, love it so much. I mean, I had so much fun playing in high school, uh, college. That You know, that when I first began, you know, it was all or nothing. You know, it's just all man. Um, and I've learned that um, sometimes you need a pretty good zone to win some games. And we've won a lot of games with um, some zone defense. And I've learned that you kind of have to um, – do what's best, what fits best for your kids. Um, Cause I think you can win um, with, with zone um, primarily, but um, I still love man to man and we, we teach it a lot. We drill it a lot. Um, full court too. We want to turn up the pressure. Um, I know we, we get more fouls than we should because of that, but I always think that it's harder to um, get them to turn it up. Maybe. Uh-huh. Um, a little bit so we want to pressure all the time half court we sideline uh inbounds plays we want to deny and deny hard um to get some five second calls um because you know just those little things can turn the momentum of a game getting a turnover uh that way um but we really i mean our heart and soul is defense obviously to to win but um even inbounds plays we want to pressure them um, as much as we can, um, you know, we, I don't know. It's just, I'm all about the pressure. Uh-huh. And I think that, um, the kids buy into that. They, they like that type of pace. Um, so that's, and sometimes it's hard to get kids to play in that type of pace. Um, so we do a lot of, uh, scrimmaging, um, just kind of that type of thing with, um, pressure defensive situations, um, kind of a lot of game situations mm-hmm. to try and, you know, this is what you have to do or you have to, even offensively, you know, you, you want to score fast and defense has to know that. And they kind of just pick up on that, learn from that. Um, but definitely I do like to press, press and play some pressure defense, but, you know, I'm not beyond um, playing some zone because mm-hmm. I think um, – you need that nice mix anymore. So, when you're let's 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 go with your full court defense. In a, in a perfect world, uh, if you're able to pressure here, uh, what's what's BDS running in in the full court? Is it just a pick you up full court man to man? We're gonna dog the ball, make it harder than heck to, to just bring it up the whole ninety four feet. Uh, what are you looking to do there in the full court, Shanna? We do a little of both. Sometimes we just, it's man-to-man where we're, you know, you're just always there. Like, you never want to give them a break because um, I think that that can be uh, mentally defeating um, for some kids. Um, sometimes we deny hard. Um, other times we do some run and jump. Um, we just kind of mix it up, and sometimes we'll just drop back to half court. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of like to mix it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when you get into the half court 
how do you teach your kids to play it? Uh, obviously, you're putting a lot of pressure on the ball. Are you are you putting pressure? Are are you kind of a lock left person where you're pushing them to their weak hand? Are you forcing everything to the middle? Are you playing it straight up? Are you forcing everything baseline? What what kind of stuff do you do when you get back into that half court area? Uh, well, we want to keep everything out of the paint. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I don't like to give up the baseline. Um, some teams do to try and trap down there. Um, I don't. Um, we try to always overplay the baseline. Um, you know, we front the post, um, have a lot of backside help. Um, yeah, obviously force them to their weak hand. Um, but really, bad things happen when you let them into the lane. It just kind of collapses and everything kind of falls apart. So we really try to keep them out, mm-hmm. out of the paint that way. Mm-hmm. Um, what's some What's some drill work that you use to you, – you, you talked about scrimmaging. Uh you know what are what are some maybe some breakdown one or two breakdown drills that that you run in your program to help emphasize those points especially with your with your half court defense. Well, we do a lot of situational stuff like um, three on two, um, you know, where you go from deny to help, you know, that type of thing to get them to know how fast you have to get from one to the other, um, closing out, you know, overplaying the baseline. Uh, a lot of one-on-ones, uh, two-on-two defense, you know, where you have to go sometimes go around the cone and, and mm-hmm. play that way. Um, just trying to get them to read the offense a little bit um, so that the, when they get in the game, then it's it's kind of automatic for them. When, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and, and uh, I, I, I fully realize for, for you, this is a little bit of blasphemy, but uh, you, you've... Uh, you've said that, you know, we need zones every now and then. When you do go zone, what type of zone do you like to run and what's kind of your reasoning for that? Uh, go to a 1-2-2, two, two, mm-hmm. or sometimes people call it a 3-2. Uh-huh. Um, I got beat early on by uh, Hampton and Coach Labrie mm-hmm. by a 1-2-2 two, two, because I never ran it in high school or in college. And I was like, dang, that's – that's kind of hard, and so we kind of uh, <laughs> same same thing it. happened to me. Same thing happened yeah. to me, and and I'm a one yeah. two two person when we go zone as well. Yeah, so yeah, so I, it's just kind of worked for us. The kids, you know, the they communicate so well in it, and they kind of know, and they they can read and they can adjust, and you know, sometimes when you run a two three, it's like Oop, that's my spot. That's mm-hmm. only my spot. Where in the one two two, we you know, you get out of out of alignment a lot mm-hmm. and um just to, to adjust to what the offense is doing and i don't know they seem to like it a lot mm-hmm. um, i've tried some one three one um you know we might might have the kids for that this year mm-hmm. uh, so but but you're not from wahoo so i don't know if you're allowed to run the one three one i know <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you have to apply for permission to yeah, do that <laughs> that's true they, they've got that patent <laughs> <laughs> um you know, kind of flipping it around, you're, you're spending so much time on defense and, and you're emphasizing it so much. How has that helped develop your offensive skill set? I think, you know, they they have to play against such a tough defense all the time and, and to learn. And I think that teaches them too to, you know, to be able to read the defense too. And it goes, it goes uh, both ways, you know, how they can learn and, because you cannot drill every situation that they'll get into. 
mm-hmm. um, in a game or offense or defense, and they have to learn and they have to learn um, what worked last, learn from learn from the previous possession and um, kind of go from there. So I think it works hand in hand, and it's been good for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you uh, in the little survey I sent out, you said as a player you were very superstitious, and I'm going to quote Michael Scott here. Uh, you used to be superstitious, but now you're just a little stitious. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, anytime you can bring Michael Scott into any conversation, yeah. it's usually a pretty good thing. But uh, uh, you know, you've you've kind of you've kind of changed. Uh, what's kind of your your game day modus operandi? You know, how do you uh, how do you function on game day? What's kind of your rhythm with your kids when you get into, um, you know, let's say it's a it's a home game and and you're playing you know, whomever uh, West High and you know how 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 have you kind of over the last dozen years how have you developed your game day routine to get your kids ready to play? Kind of take us through that uh, as you prepare on game day. Well, my situation's a little bit different because I don't work at the school. Mm-hmm. Um, I work outside of the school, and it's it and it's another u- unique situation where the kids are not together during the day. Yep. And but we try to keep it the same routine, um, home or away. Um, go through the same. You know, we really don't. We have our pregame talk, um, some scouting reports. Sometimes we just talk about about the team. Um, sometimes we don't have a whole lot of time before, um, cause we'll play JV boys and girls. So we don't have a whole lot of time to do anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but just try and keep it the same and, um, not to get, not get too high or too low. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I think that carries over into the bigger games too. How much time do you spend talking to your team before you go out for, for warmups on a typical game? I usually try plan about 10 minutes mm-hmm. um i think anymore you lose lose their attention mm-hmm. um i always t- um write things up on the board and we go through on key points to the game um but try and keep it the same for each game you know it'll be different for each team we play obviously but um try and keep it the same the same key points and what was funny was when we went to uh the 17, 18 year when we went to state, um, she was playing at Pinnacle Bank. I mean, everything is, is a lot different. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> I can't remember what I was doing, but then when I walked into the locker room to talk to them, they had everything written up on the board, what I always talk about. So it was, it was fun. And I was like, Oh, that's awesome. You know? <laughs> well, I'm, sure I, I, I'm good. I'm going to go across too. the street, maybe have a meal. You yeah. guys just take it from here. Yeah, I know. It was fun. Cause they knew exactly all the everything, so I, I knew then that they were paying attention all mm-hmm. year long. But don't th- th- doesn't that make you feel like okay? I, I I've done my job and I've done it well. When you have your players so bought into what you're going to say and they understand why it's going to help them be successful. Absolutely, um, just makes your your job a lot easier because um, they do listen and they do know. Um, those things are important, important. Um, you know, we talk about pace of play, um, pop and all the time, all the time, you know, sometimes talk about, I watched a video from Gino Ariama about my pace of play and the players, players pace of play and how it's different. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
So we talk about that a lot and how we need to play, play my pace all the time and, you know, never take a playoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you mentioned that uh, with, with the whole state tournament thing and now your kids are accustomed to it but boy that that first time that you go through cuz you you you're used to doing things a, a certain way at all these high school gyms for 23 24 25 games whatever and then you go to the state tournament and it's like you have to they have all these different things and and I understand that there's a a method to the madness and why they're doing what they're doing but that's a little bit of an adjustment as well as as you prepare for the state tournament and now your kids know what to expect but i'm guessing that first time did you kind of educate them a little bit of this is you know we have to wait until 20 exactly 25 Mm -hmm. minutes on the horn and then we have to leave the court at this point and then we have to stand this way you know and and a lot of people wouldn't think that's a a big deal but it, it can kind of mess with the the flow of what you've kind of conditioned yourself to do when it comes to your pregame routine oh absolutely you know they're used to having the player introductions you know where everybody stands there and now it's different mm-hmm. and yeah you know, yeah the more times they can get there the the more comfortable they are but yeah the first time it's you know everything's different you know they got the wide eyes and um lose their focus a little bit but yeah and, you, you know, you talk to them about, you know, just uh, going with the flow and adjust, making adjustments to any situation, um, not let it get to you. But, yeah, the more times you're there, the easier it gets and the more comfortable you get, you know, even for coaches, too. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. Absolutely. Coaches, I love doing a pen and a napkin. It is something that was intended to become a hobby, but it has become a passion and a blessing in my life. I love helping coaches, and I hope that I've been able to help you in some way, shape, or form. I want to do more, but I need your help to do that. I've recently opened up a Patreon page to help a pen and a napkin grow even further, and I'd appreciate any help that you would be willing to give to a pen and a napkin. From the layup tier, and for as little as $3 a month, to the three-point tier, your generosity will enable a pen and a napkin to grow and develop even greater projects than we've already done. For more information, go to apennandanapkin.com and go to the Patreon link or go to patreon.com backslash apennandanapkin. Shanna, let's talk a little bit about, you, you know, you've had a really good run. You've had some some uh, some good post players, some some kids that have been pretty good around the basket for you. Uh, let's, yeah, I, I'm, we kind of talked pre-recording that you've probably seen a lot of zone here these last few years, and you've had to come up with different ways of attacking different zone schemes. Uh, what are some things that, that you've done at BDS to, to help with the attacking of, of zone defenses and, and getting good looks and still getting touches for your best players in their comfort spots? Uh, again, just kind of dive into it for a little bit uh, for us. What are, what are some things that you do when, when you're attacking zones on offense? Well, just to beat any zone, you need to attack the gaps. And, you know, ball fakes, pass fakes are huge. Um, we screen, screen in the zone. Uh, we'll run some four out, um, a lot of cutting, um, cutting to the windows, just a lot of movement, um, just those type of things to make it hard where the zone has to shift and adjust to where you're at instead of where they want to be. And, you know, it's harder. They do it to take away your post. Um, so, you know, it's hard for them 
sometimes and hard to teach where you need to, the angles, the passing angles, um, where that window will be when the ball is reversed and sealing, sealing the defense. Um, but really, you know, and they're going to laugh if they listen to this. You don't want to become stagnant mm-hmm. <laughs> on offense, um, especially against the zone. Um, you know, you just try and keep keep attacking, keep mm-hmm. attacking the zone. Yeah, uh, that that is the the key thing is, and we we call it zone attack. And again, that's something I took from Coach Meyer mm-hmm. because when you say zone offense, a lot of times, like I say, you, uh, I got this from Mike Power. Uh, you know, you turn into Sputniks, you just turn into satellites, yeah. and yeah. and that's exactly what the zone wants you to do is is to become really really stagnant. And, and, you know, you have to really push and prod your players to continue to attack those gaps Mm -hmm. and attack those areas in in the zone. Is that kind of what you're saying as well, Shanna? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, sometimes where the opening is, you have to take advantage of what the defense is going to give you. And, you know, sometimes you have to adjust what your offense is and to get kids to – um, believe and trust themselves that, hey, I can flash here, I'm wide open for the ball, or, you know, to seal the inside of the zone, you know, the top two girls. Um, it just makes it so much harder and just another advantage um, to get for them to get out of the zone because, you know, you, it's so much easier to play man, man offense, and, you know, that's what you want to do is to get them out of the zone, uh, out of their zone defense, but I think the more you can just keep, like you said, keep attacking and a lot of movement where the defense is kind of turning their head a lot, um, a lot of cutters, mm-hmm. um, just keep flashing into the lane and setting screens is what we try to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, last thing I want to talk about with you, Coach, is obviously you've built a, a, a very successful and sustainable program in a, in a small – so you guys are D1, right? Right. Yep. We've been D2, but we're D1 right now. D1, yeah. So – you have, you know, 30-ish kids per class, boys and girls combined probably. I mean, I'm ballparking here, kind of spitballing a little bit, but your enrollment is is very small, uh, all things considered. Uh, but you have consistently developed good athletes and kids that have excelled at at basketball what has been the the process of of building up your youth program how do you with a with a limited uh pool of athletes to to work with uh just by a just a numerical uh you know odds Mm -hmm. you've continued to churn out really really good teams year in and year out uh, what are some things that you're doing in your program to help develop the youth of your community to to be passionate about basketball, to develop their skills? Uh, you know, you have a lot of youth teams running out there playing in tournaments, leagues. Uh, what are you, what are you folks doing there at BDS to to ensure that your success stays as consistent as possible? Uh, yeah, they do have they're competitive. Um, they start at third grade. Um, playing youth games, youth tournaments. You know, we do camps in the summer. Um, I wish I could do more, uh, maybe like Saturday mornings or something, but it's so hard with three different towns, two different schools, and, you know, you don't want to use that as an excuse, but it's just, it makes it difficult for that situation. Um, But we try to, you know, help them whatever we can do, get them involved, get them excited um, for girls basketball, for high school, 
Um, we talk a lot about to the high school kids, you know, little eyes are watching. Mm-hmm. Um, so make sure, you know, you're conducting yourself in a positive way. Um, but our youth coaches have done a tremendous job and um, getting them excited. And they've started to play some games now at halftime. Mm-hmm. So that's fun where those kids can come watch, um, stay for the games, and they're there. And, you know, they look up to those those high school kids. You know, I was a little kid once too, and I, you know, those those older girls were idols and you, you know, you wanted to be, be like them. And I think that's the culture, um, that the first BDS teams have created and it's just carried on. we've had some really good athletes and, you know, they've really just taken me along for the ride. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I give all the credit to them. Um, I've never, never made a basket in a game. Um, um, I just, they have just, been so dedicated and so they're just such competitive kids and they've bonded with each other and you know every year is different and they just become cohesive as a unit and um buy into what's what makes us successful and you know every year is different Mm -hmm. um and in your teams and you have to find that way and um we just try to uh, be as welcoming as welcoming we can of everything and be supportive and you know when those kids do play we try to cut our halftime um down short so they go and watch mm-hmm. you know and cheer for them because um, that is a big deal for them for mm-hmm. those little kids yeah oh yeah oh yeah i i remember and and i won't date myself but Let's just say that Ronald Reagan was president, and, and, <laughs> he was and, a good one. <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, I think I was like in I don't know fourth or fifth grade, and and we played at halftime of one of the varsity games, and I scored a couple baskets, and and again, not dating myself, but I felt like Julius Irving out yeah. there, like okay, where where do I sign yeah. my pro contract? Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm, I I'm I ready, know. you know. I know. Uh, but uh, no, you're right that that's a uh, that's something that that kids will that that's something that kids will remember, and it's important. I love that line that you gave: "Little eyes are watching," and I think mm-hmm. that's a great way to. I, I tell my kids that all the time when we do our youth sport or our youth camps and and Saturday morning stuff. You know, hey, they're not here to see me. They're here to see okay. me. They're 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 yes. not here. They're not here to listen to me talk. They want you to run the drill station. They want you to yep. run their teams, and, and mm-hmm. that's what's really important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, and. You know what else you have done very well, Shanna? You've done really well on this podcast. Oh, thank you. Yes, very, very well done. So, uh, any uh, any social media, anything like that, you want to plug for for your program or the school or anything like that? Well, you can find us on Facebook, uh, Burning Davenport uh, Athletics. Um, I'm on Twitter. I'm not on a lot, but I think it's GerbS44. Um, yeah, just follow along. We'd love to have you as, as supporters. Awesome. Well, a, a very good program to support a, a quality coach, a coach that does things the right way. And uh, it's, it's just great to have a, an extended conversation here this morning, Shannon, on, on all of this good stuff. And I hope you've enjoyed your time on the podcast. It was. I was very nervous, but I, I have enjoyed um, this conversation. Just nice to, uh, it just felt like a nice conversation where, you know, I, I didn't, 
remember that I was being taped. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it, it won't be turned in with the Nixon tapes. How about that? Yeah, so so okay. we're, we're yeah. going to be okay. So, yeah. well, and uh, I do, I, I do appreciate, I'm very flattered that, you know, you reached out and give uh, BDS Athletics some coverage and very appreciative of that. Well, hey, you guys have done a terrific job. Uh, I, I, I do my best to try to bring in a wide variety of people and places uh, because it's not a one-size-fits-all thing. Your, right. your uh, community and your program is not going to be the same as, as Millard West or West Des Moines Valley. It, it's, it's just not. Um, and, right. and so there are coaches listening to this that are from similar communities like yours that need to hear your perspectives on how to build a program and, and your experiences uh, that will be more applicable to them, you know, start to finish than would a West Des Moines Valley or a, a school out of Chicago or, well, you know, whatever, whatever it may right. be, you know. So I think it's valuable to have a lot of different perspectives and that's and that's what we try to do with this so yeah and uh, you do a great job well thank you very much i owe you twenty dollars for saying that okay. so. <laughs> yeah i'll take cash <laughs> yeah. yeah you could you can build my athletic director for that so. yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I tell you what shanna while we hold the line here i got to wrap up a couple of things uh want to thank shanna gerberding uh the head girls basketball coach at bruning davenport shickley it rolls off the tongue uh yes. the this morning uh we're we're, we're taping this on the second uh and so before either one of our eardrums are busted from the fireworks that are going to be going off the next couple of days here but want to thank coach for coming on here this morning of course we want to thank our founding sponsor cosac chiropractic uh follow us on twitter at a pen and a napkin download rate review this podcast give us five stars help us move up in the ratings it, it, it helps me it helps me make some money folks so please please do that email me if you have any questions comments suggestions or ideas a pen and a napkin at gmail.com Check out a pen and a napkin.com. A lot of great resources on the website. And of course, if you'd be so willing to check out our Patreon page, a pen and a napkin, or I'm sorry, Patreon backslash a pen and a napkin and be willing to donate there. That would be absolutely awesome. Uh, again, just pleased and, and had a great time with Shanna Gerberding, head girls basketball coach at BDS High School here in Nebraska. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.